Blog Talk Radio.
Better Love, and welcome to the Truth to Power show. I'm Beverly, with, and we're here with Eddie Rodriguez, and we're looking at black artists and musicians in Latin music. How are you doing, uh, Eddie Rodriguez? I'm doing quite fine. Better love to you, Beverly. Uh, another third time bringing uh, some um, entertainment and uh, educating uh, at the same time, <clears throat> talking tonight about a black artist, a black Puerto Rican artist, musician, composer, band leader by the name of Rafael Cortijo. Rafael Cortijo was uh, one of the uh, forefront, uh, in the forefront of bringing <clears throat> traditional uh, Puerto Rican music and and fusing it with modern uh, type of dancing music. Uh, what we just heard was uh, Coco Yanis. Uh, that was a composition from his album, <clears throat> Time Machine. Um, if you go to YouTube and uh, just... Um, Punch in the name Cortijo, C, like in Charlie, O-R-I-J-O, Cortijo. Uh, you will find um, an entry time machine. Uh, you will hear some of the music you, you're going to hear tonight. Um, so it's a pleasure to be with you tonight, Beverly, and it's a pleasure to bring um, to light some of the black artists and musicians, um, some legendary black artists and musicians, and Latin music like Rafael Cortijo. Well, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you joining us and introducing us uh, to this music for those of us that wasn't familiar with it. And before we get into the music, can you kind of let the listeners know uh, who is Eddie Rodriguez and what you do? Hello? Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Um, well, one of the things that I do is uh, I'm, I'm always looking for talent. Uh, I'm, um, I'm, I do this program as a community service uh, uh, to, be, uh, to celebrate Black History Month, and uh, I uh, try to choose the artists and musicians that uh, would be uh, not, uh, would be forgotten, pretty much. Uh, these are gentlemen that uh, paved the way for for an industry that we have today called the salsa music industry, which is um, a multi-million dollar industry. And um, a lot of these artists in the beginning, you know, when they were just trying to get their records played and their, their music recorded, you know, didn't have, uh, didn't have lawyers. So uh, a lot of them uh, ended up uh, dying penniless. So I, I want to, you know, what I do is I want to bring that to light during these blog talk radio shows. And um, as a profession, I've been involved in the Latin music industry for the last 40 years. And I've worked with managing artists like um, the great Faith Tito Puente and produced concerts in Madison Square Garden with uh, Latin urban music, as well as salsa shows at the Greek theater. And, um, uh, Right now, what I do is um, I look for talent that uh, I can take to the next level. I'm uh, being of service. At the same time, you know, it's just the business of music. Uh, but I'm looking for artists that uh, have an art, you know, art as a forefront of their 
of their mission, you know, to, to interpret and to uh, express uh, a God-given talent that they have um, to, to be able to communicate with people from the stage to the audience or to the digital media or to, to the radio. Um, and so I am uh, a music industry executive that's still on, on the go. <laughs> well, that's excellent. And so the listeners out there, if you have talent and, or you know someone that has talent, well, here's an opportunity. We have um, Eddie Rodriguez, who's been in the business for a, a, a long time. He's not a newcomer, so he knows the business and he knows talent when he sees talent. So how can they contact you, uh, Eddie Rodriguez? Well, you can go to LinkedIn uh, and um, just uh... – Type in Eddie, E-D-D-I-E, Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, and the word, uh, the words, Latin, L-A-T-I-N, works, W-R-K-S, music, M-U-S-I-C, and you can send me a message and I'll, I'll get back to you and uh, I'll be happy to uh, listen to anything you have or you can send me a video, that'd be great. But our our goal is on this program is to is to entertain, to educate, and to bring to light some talent that uh, would probably be forgotten. Um, and uh, I bring my experience of uh, growing up in the South Bronx and um, doing concerts in you know Los Angeles and New York and Miami, around the country and South America as well, and, and in Europe. Um, to uh, highlight or spotlight during these uh, broadcasts and uh, blog talk radio show. Uh, talent that would normally, normally not be recognized. So <clears throat> that's um, grateful to you, Beverly, for offering your time on your program, Truth to Power. Um, and uh, yes, I'm here every Thursday night with you um, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, until 11 p.m. And uh, uh, once again, uh, the show is live, um, unscripted. Yeah. And um, I'm uh, I'm doing this show uh, on my uh, iPhone, <laughs> so I'm using the speaker on my iPhone to reach uh, to be able to uh, talk about some of these great, these amazing artists that uh, that um, were influential in what we call today the Latin music industry. Okay. And and the number here is uh, 323-642-1586. 323-642-1586. If you have a question or you'd like to talk to Eddie Rodriguez, if you want to know uh, anything about the music industry, Here's your opportunity. And you push the number one when you call that number. So we're going to uh, get back to the the music here. Here we go.
policía y arrestaron al matón y uno de los policías que también era bembón le tocó la mala suerte y hacer la investigación le tocó la mala suerte y hacer la investigación sabe la pregunta que le hizo al matón ¿por qué lo mató? diga usted la razón y sabe la respuesta que le dio el matón yo lo maté por ser tan bembón El güey escondió la bemba y le dijo consider him as El Sonero Mayor. Um, that means uh, the, the major um, uh, improviser in, in, in Latin music, uh, almost like, po- uh, like a, um, he makes up uh, uh, verses um, as he goes along, uh, making them rhyme uh, and uh, making them go with the flow and um, <clears throat> staying to the melody, as well as to the to the uh, to the song, to the uh, meaning of the song, and so Ismael uh, Rivera is another rest in peace, another great Black Puerto Rican that is uh, known for taking our music from Puerto Rico, la, la bomba y plena, to the next level. Um, a lot of Puerto Ricans in the 50s and the 60s were, were migrating to New York City 
And um, on the Spanish radio stations, you wouldn't hear this type of music. Uh, you would only hear it in the neighborhoods and at parties and things like that. Uh, the airways were controlled by um, by Cuban Americans, well, newly arrived Cubans. Um, and um, that music was pretty much um, uh, dedicated on the radio station's format was dedicated to romantic music, uh, <clears throat> mostly uh, trio music, three-part harmony with with three guitars, um, and um, that was that was the music that was kind of um, you would call it middle of the road for advertisers to uh, be able to to buy spots on the radio station, and you now they would not change. Um, it mm-hmm. took years uh, for them to begin uh, playing. Um, uh, dance music um, the music we call today is uh, you know, that we call salsa and um, but back then um, you would hear this music and, and you know blasting off the off the uh, speakers in a grocery store uh, from a from a record player in somebody's home and or out someone's speaker on a fire escape you know black blaring this music, but it was definitely uh, Ismael Rivera and Cortijo who were able to commercialize um, the music we call salsa uh, today. Um, that includes what happened in the 70s, you know, which was uh, more of a Cuban influence to create what we call salsa. All of it combined, that's why they call it salsa, because there's so many ingredients that, that make it tasty and to make it uh, hot and uh, make it danceable, most importantly. So, um, uh, you know, when we look at Cortijo and, uh, you know, being treated uh, not as a star during his day, um, but um, definitely a a star in the eyes of the people that appreciate art and uh, what he did um, on their first um, composition, uh, Gumbo, you know, where he included the electric uh, uh, electric piano and, uh, and the guitars. And, you know, it was kind of that that uh, that feeling of, you know, uh, wanting to do something different. And uh, although the album wasn't popular and didn't sell a lot, a uh, few, few people gravitated to it, like myself, and, and was able to appreciate the art, the compositions. The, the way that he, he was able to uh, fuse traditional uh, Puerto Rican music, bomba y plena, into his compositions. He always went back to it, and it was a steady beat. And um, that music is, you know, once again, uh, bomba y plena was pretty much a music that was uh, concentrated mostly in, in, in black, um, regions of Puerto Rico on the coast, Loisa, uh, Loisa Aldea, Santurce. And um, Bomba comes with a dance, and it's a dance that's uh, very, uh, very lively. A lot of, you know, when you see some dancers, uh, Puerto Rican dancers, wearing long white skirts and a white turban, women wearing white turbans in their heads, and um, dancing to the music of the drum, you know, so to speak, um, back and forth. Um, it, it's really a spectacle. So, uh, you know, I, I would uh, suggest, or I would, you know, suggest that people, whenever they see a Puerto Rican show coming up, you know, um, give it a visit, and uh, you'll you'll be entertained. Was that 
I remember um, in the movie seeing the the ladies with the dresses on, and they would raise it up in the front while they dancing. It seemed, you know, it seemed like they were dancing to this this kind of music. Hello. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, yes. I remember that too. Uh, you know, a lot of that music was, uh, you know, big band music. Xavier Cool got, but um, you know, you think of Carmen Miranda with that, you know, suit, you know, uh, headset. Uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's very it's very lively. It's very uh, entertaining, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, feel good music. That's all I can say. It's yeah. Really feel good music, especially if you see it live. You know, mm-hmm. Bobby Plena is the uh, indigenous music of Puerto Rico, as well as the folk music that we call Trola, or you know, which is um, mostly like folk <clears throat> music, guitars. And don't forget, there was no radio, there was no newspaper, so the way people <clears throat> got their news was be, by way of troubadours, you know, people singing and telling stories of what happened, you know, somewhere else in another part of Puerto Rico. And, uh, and a lot of them were poets. So, um, you know, you could be with one troubadour, it could be with two, it could be three, but it was mostly with, you know, instruments that people could, could hold, you know, and, uh, carry with them <laughs> like guitars or, <clears throat> or, or guido, you know, which is a gourd or uh, a cowbell, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, bongo, small, and um, you know percussion is very important. Percussion is the heartbeat, you know, right. and uh, this music was able to to inspire once again, or at least bring a little taste of home to those um, Puerto Ricans uh, in New York City, like my parents. This was their music. <clears throat> this was their popular music at the time, and okay. so when these groups would. Uh, perform in New York, um, you know, uh, people would go and and they would they would they would go to the shows because they mm-hmm. were bringing a little bit of home to them in New York City. So um, once again, tonight we're spotlighting Rafael Cortijo, uh, percussionist, composer, band leader. Uh, his uh, album Time Machine, which you heard a few uh, a few compositions. Uh, one was called Gumbo, and the other one was called Cofoyanis. And um, one of the famous tunes that he did prior to doing uh, Time Machine, which uh, I believe was his last album, uh, <clears throat> uh, was uh, was what we heard in Negro Bembon, which is a story. You know, it's a, it's a story about um, a police. Uh, a, a person that was telling someone that they have big lips, and mm-hmm. um, and then the, they got into a rock a ruckus, and then the policeman that came to investigate also had big lips, so it was kind yeah. of funny, right? And so it, it, a little story there, but you know, once again, uh, you know, bringing the tradition of Bombi Plena to uh, a commercial uh, level, uh, and Cortijo uh, and uh, Ismael Rivera were, were able to do that uh, brilliantly. And unfortunately, you know, a person like Ismael Rivera 
you know, these people die penniless, you know. Um, I don't know about Cortigo, but I can imagine they were, you know, they were, um, they were peers, you know, Cortijo and Ismael Rivera. So they probably went through the same situations of people signing or, or acquiring the rights to their publishing, um, the songs that they made up on the spot, you know, but they didn't know about publishing. So uh, someone acquired uh, publishing rights and till this day, uh, gets your royalty for some of those songs. So it's, uh, the sad state that that happened, uh, you know, there's a lot of things happening with the, with the mafia. With, <clears throat> at that time, you know, <clears throat> a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, people were introduced um, for the first time to, to drugs, you know, coming from right. a place in Puerto Rico, there were no drugs. And they became drug addicts and they went to jail and came out. But they were still, you know, their talent was there. Their art was still... Um, to the point where people, you know, wanted to to hear more, wanted more of that that sound, that style, that that feeling that, that these artists brought to 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 the world. So, uh, without any further ado, well, I think we have some more. Well, we do have we do have a hand raised. So let me um, okay. let me open the line up here. Uh, is this uh, this might be uh, Eric? Is this Eric? Yes, it is Beverly and Brother Eddie. How y'all doing? Great, great. How are you doing? <laughs> oh man, I'm over here saucered. I'm saucered up right now. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to ask a comment on on that. Uh, you know, uh, you talk about ingredients and make it tasty and flavorful and. Uh, you know, uh, back a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Mongo Santa Maria, and uh, and he and he started the session with sofrito. So Eddie, if you could tell us about some of the 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 you know Puerto Rican cuisine and what it means to the music. You know, what is sofrito, picadillo, you know, plantains. You know, the the way y'all eat and what, how does that blend with the music and the flavor of the music, y'all food. Hello, y'all still there? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm still here. Yeah, picadillo. You mentioned picadillo. That was Vito Puente composition. Uh, the food picadillo is like uh, ground ground beef, you know, uh, seasoned with garlic and seasoned with onions and seasoned with um, sofrito, as a matter of fact, which is the foundation of the Puerto Rican cuisine, um, which is the base. Um, they cook beans with that, um, not rice, you know, rice is rice, but, you know, anything that has um, any meat or any, any stews and things like that, uh, 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 sofrito is, is something that's included in that, which is uh, green peppers and onions and garlic and uh, red peppers, you know, all these nice vegetables that are healthy, <laughs> And um, they become the before the the dishes is being while it's being prepared before it's even water goes into it or any meat or anything. So frito is is uh, is uh, is placed on in the pan and uh, you know just um, heat it up and and when it gets just right and then you add in all the other ingredients. So uh, and and like I mentioned picadillo is something that. Um, 
that uh, is, is ground beef and uh, with tasty ground beef. Not, not like chili or anything like that. It's, it's just not soggy or anything like that. Um, it's uh, just a, uh, um, you know, a dish that you eat with rice and, and, and pinto beans and some plantains. It's uh, you know, very, very uh, much loved in Puerto Rico. Cream and uh, rice plantains and avocado uh, with some olive oil. And so, you know, this is, uh, yeah, it is part of our culture to, to, to have tasty uh, meals. Um, and, um, my, you know, just from my own experience, my mother is going to turn 100 years old uh, in July. So, um, mm, wow, congratulations. She was, she was feeding me that food, you know, all my life, you know, until I got married and then my wife cooks Puerto Rican food, so she's from Guatemala, and okay. so it's um, it's a very, you know, even in Guatemala, they have some tasty, tasty food, you know what I mean, and uh, they all love to dance, that's one one thing for sure, every single, I don't care where it is in Latin America, you know, even the indigenous um, communities, the tribes, and, you know, in the Amazon, they have rituals where they're dancing, and they're, they're playing flutes, and they're in Kuru, and they're, you know, it's uh, it's an incredible feeling, you know, that, uh, that makes you happy. And, um, you know, that's what um, music is all about, the art. Every, it's, everyone cannot, you know, pick up a trombone and, and start playing it or a conga drum because they can beat on it, but you know, they play music. And uh, can, they, can, they, can they, do they have the stamina to be able to play throughout the whole composition uh, and not be, get off beat, so to speak. So, when you talk about taste, uh, the musicians, are, you know, each of them add their own flavor as well because uh, they have different influences. Some some might be influenced by, by Mongo Santa Maria, others may be influenced by Contijo, you know, and uh, uh, Otito Puente, you know, go down the line, you know, Louis Ramirez. And so, um, yes, no, we we have a very uh, very tasty culture here in Puerto Rico. So thank you for asking, uh, Eric. Yeah, because y'all have a whole music based on uh, you know uh, a food that's combined with different uh, you know flavors and spices called salsa, and it, and it's and it and it goes with a dance, and it and it has a, a Pacific sound, and so uh, you know every every place has that. Every island has a Pacific flavor and taste and vibe to the music. I love island, you know, and this place, North America, is an island too. So over here, you know, uh, people call this stuff gravy. In India, they call it chutney, you know, and, uh, you know, some places uh-huh. in the world, they call it salsa. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting how we how we have these, uh, these vibes to get us going, to get our belly full and get us going with moving our hips and, you know, moving our feet and, you know what I mean, clapping our hands and making us feel good. It's the food is involved, you know, the women in the kitchen cooking or the some some cultures the men are, the, are in the kitchen cooking they don't allow the women in the kitchen and you know and then it, it, everybody just uh everybody just vibing off the food if you smell that sofrito hit the pan oh man you know it's something to go down you know it's something to be good jumping on you know and then you might be playing the old music like we hear listening to tonight and i want to comment on that upbeat it kind of remind me of some of the african music that i hear 
you know, from West Africa when they, they have that real upbeat tempo, you know, and um and, and it sounds just like that. And also, uh when uh Dizzy Gillespie met Chano Pozo, he uh he took he took his guys, you know, back to have a meeting and he said, Fellas, he said, Man, I don't know what's going on, man, but we're gonna have to get us some exercise shoes and start walking around the block, man, because this cat right here, man, he's smoking us with his speed. You know, so mm-hmm. they had to get used to the up-tempo because the jazz was laid back. And, man, when they met the Latin artists, you know, they had to pick up the tempo. So, man, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful combination. You know, and, and we love the stories, Eddie. That's what it's all about. We archiving ourselves in a glorious way, man. These stories are potent. So, yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Beverly. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank God. Okay. We, uh, let, let's go back to the music. Let's see here.
that is a workout. I, I know when they went dancing back in them days, they really got they they workout on. Well, you know that was the music of the Puerto Rican diaspora uh, of New York City, uh, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, Lower East Side, Manhattan, uh, Harlem, Spanish Harlem. Uh, you know that was the music that was uh, listened to uh, at parties, and you know there were no clubs per se to. They were, they were playing this music, so um, you would hear this music at during the holidays. Uh, I grew up with this music. Uh, my grandparents, um, that's the music that they had, and uh, my parents and my uncles and aunts, we used to get together every Sunday uh, when they, when we first um, got to New York City from Puerto Rico in, in the 50s, and <clears throat> yes, yeah, this, uh, this is a good time music. Uh, his home, uh, and uh, once again, you know, we're talking about a traditional uh, beat uh, rhythm from Puerto Rico called Bomba y Plena, and uh, a lot of the songs, the stories, you know, about, about what was happening at the time, or you know, uh, whatever stories people uh, created and uh, were inspired by to to make songs out of them, and uh, like I said, a lot of these songs. Uh, were very very popular at the time. Unfortunately, you know there were no radio charts or, or you know, uh, the two magazines that, that charted music or that told you what was the top 100 um, hits of, of the country. Uh, you know, did not include Latin music. There were two magazines. One was called Cashbox, and the other one is Billboard magazine. Cashbox uh, went out of business. Uh, I remember meeting with them in the 80s, and they were just kind of going out of business. But Billboard, Billboard has been around for over 100 years. And so, believe it or not, they just started charting Latin music uh, in the 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, before that, there's popular music, there's English language music. And back then, I was working for Billboard magazine at the time. And the uh, the music used to come, uh, the, the list used to come over the phone until uh, fax machines were, were, were all over the place. So they used to come via fax machines, but there was no measurement tool. In other words, you didn't know if the song was number one in a bunch of you know different cities to be able to calculate, you know, what was number one, number two, number three. You know, it was uh, it was done, you know, with trust. But as you know, there was a lot of payola going on at the time. Right. And some people went to jail for it, you know, because uh, um, they were playing music and they were getting paid under the table. Well, you know, the thing about that was, you know, the government didn't like that. They weren't paying taxes on that. You know? Right. And, uh, it was, you know, the record label's uh, owners, you know, they didn't know that money was being Exchange, you know, for uh, for play, so to speak, you know, uh, and um, yeah, some DJs in New York got in trouble. Uh, I remember uh, Symphony Sid got in trouble for that. Uh, uh, he was one of the ones that was a jazz uh, DJ, and he segued into Latin jazz, and then from Latin jazz straight into salsa. So um, he was very. He was very, uh, uh, you know, important uh, in bringing this music because nobody else was doing it. And obviously there were record labels that want to play it and there's only enough time to play them. So um, 
uh, yes, there were people that got in trouble at the same time. You know, now, today, that's, that's impossible to say that a record is playing, uh, um, you know, 12 times a day, you know, uh, seven days a week, um, you know, without it being uh, scrutinized because um, there's a measurement tool called, a new technology is called MediaBase. And MediaBase has a panel of radio stations around the country that report to them. So they have a uh, technology that goes directly to the radio station that can identify what song was played at what hour and to what the demographics that, that, that were listening at that moment, uh, obviously at the time of day. And um, record labels can monitor that to, to see how their, how their product is doing, a, a single that they may be promoting. So, you know, it's hard to uh, get away with... Uh, we're doing what they used to do in the past, you know, saying a record was number one when it wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all technology-based now, and uh, media-based is uh, what the Billboard uh, charts are, are based on, the findings of uh, daily, you know, of uh, measurements by, by media-based. So, um, but yes, this music was not played on the radio. Uh, it was played... Um, and uh, there are a lot of Puerto Rican associations during that time in New York City. Uh, and so these associations used to have a, a annual dance, so to speak. I remember my father, he was, uh, he was a treasurer for uh, an association from our hometown, Arroyo. And um, I remember he had to handle ticket sales, you know, you know had to write everything in a, in, in a book, you know, in a ledger. Um, so that at the end of the sh- you know the night you know they would have the the money that they were trying to raise so uh, and to pay for the band to pay for the to pay rent for the location where wherever they had their their uh, social club so to speak and they sold you know that night they sold you know obviously alcohol it was a private event you know to the for the members of the of the association and. Um, Yes, it was. That's the only places you would hear this music. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to bring this music to, to your audience and uh, let them give them a little bit of taste of what Puerto Ricans were dancing to, in the beginnings of what we call today the salsa music industry. Don't forget, you know, we had an Afro-Cuban influence uh, at that time with big bands. You know, Machito and Tito Puente. They were they were all performing. You know, at that time. Uh, uh, they started in the 40s and 50s as well, but that was a big band, you know, because it was not a big band. You know, if you hear, you hear trumpet, you hear trombone, you hear saxophone. Um, with his new material, the time machine, you hear guitars, electric guitars, uh, electric piano, uh, the vocals, um, the, the high-pitched vocalist, a woman by the name of Fe Cortijo, that was his daughter. That's his, you know, Fe Cortijo used to sing in his, in his his uh, on his recording. So, you know, it's, uh, and, you know, that part of Puerto Rico where this music comes from, Luis Aldea, uh, there's a family called the Ayala family. They are well known all over the world for, for bringing the culture of Puerto Rico and that dance uh, to, to museums, to, to events all over the world. So, uh, you know, there's families that, that, that go back generations of, of keeping the music alive and keeping the dance alive. So we have, we have a, a lot to be grateful for uh, uh, to them for uh, keeping this music alive, and obviously uh, grateful to you, Beverly, uh, for 
for allowing us to share this music with uh, with your audience. Well, I thank you and uh, and Eric for bringing this to the forefront. So uh, to uh, help us get familiar with this music. Now, outside of Latin America, where was the music more popular? You know, like Britain, America. Where would you say that it was uh, got more airplay or people were more familiar with it? I would say New York City, you know, because uh, okay. I remember, uh, you know, and, you know, Miami was, wasn't it. Uh, I used to go to Miami, and, you know, in the 80s, and they, they still were not here, there yet. You know, there were, once again, you know, the music that we're hearing tonight the, uh, from the Time Machine uh, by Cotijo, uh, a lot of that influence came from Cuba as well, because, uh, at that time, you know, we heard last week, we heard Chucho Valdez and Iraquere. You know, that was a brand new sound. The traditional Cuban sound was not not what we heard from Chucho and Iraquere. They won a Grammy for that in, in 1979 for for their recording, you know, titled Iraquere. <laughs> and so uh, this was a Puerto Rican version of, of trying to do something different. It didn't catch on, though. Um, it didn't catch on, but... It, that was already brewing in, in Cuba, so to speak. So um, there was other groups in Puerto Rico, like Batacumbele, that were able to, to pick up that sound and, and, and were very popular at that time. But you know, they had so many great musicians that those musicians went on to start their own groups. So, uh, but it was, uh, there was another group out of New York City called Grupo Folklorico Experimental with... Um, you know, uh, some incredible music by um, by the late, great uh, Andy Gonzalez bassist and his brother, Jerry Gonzalez, a trumpeter, uh, percussionist. And, uh, um, you know, they also uh, experimented with this uh, music that was coming out of, out of Cuba. Unfortunately, you know, that mm-hmm. was not commercial enough. Uh, that was not commercial enough to be played in the clubs and the bands to perform and, and have a huge audience. Um, you know, it's, it, it, you know, we, we're, we're looking at, you know, instrumentals. Uh, a lot of this is, you know, a lot of um, the arrangements were, you know, focus on the musicians uh, and their talent. So that's what, that's what we're hearing tonight with, uh, with um, Rafael Cortijo. And on vocals, you know, we have, um, you know, the late, great Ismael Rivera, Sonero Mayor, and um, there's still to this day. I mean, um, we could say Mark Anthony is a is a well known uh, artist worldwide today. Um, another one, you know, that's still on tour is Hiberto Santa Rosa. They they are not black uh, Puerto Ricans. Um, Mark grew up in New York City, and his first language was uh, yes yeah, Spanish, but you know he spoke English when he started. Mm-hmm. Um, he sang in, in Spanish, but he didn't speak Spanish. Uh, now, today, you know, he speaks Spanish, he sings in Spanish, and he's touring, and he's going to visit two, He's going to visit 50 countries on his next tour. So, And Hiberto Santa Rosa is one of the top vocalists uh, in Puerto Rico. And um, he hasn't reached the heights of uh, Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony, I think, also segued into... 
American music with a few uh, hits. Um, called, one was called I Need to Know, and uh, the other one, uh, She Came to Me. Uh, uh, that was uh, a lot of money invested in that by, by, by um, Sony Music and Tommy Mottola. Uh, when mm. the contract for, for Mark Anthony was was acquired by Sony from the late, great Ralph Mercado and RMM Records. Uh, so, you know, once again, money is a part of uh, getting um, through because there's so much competition. So uh, it takes money and uh, to have strong publicity, you have to have strong uh, marketing dollars and touring support, tour support to pay for the airlines and pay for hotels. And sometimes you're talking about 12 people traveling, you know, so um, uh, today, you know, uh, a lot of Club owners don't want to pay for a live band. They'd rather hire a DJ, you know. Right. And they'll offer a DJ. They'll offer a DJ that that's on the radio, you know, popular on the radio. They'll pay him, you know, five thousand dollars just to pick a number, five thousand dollars to to be at the club for two hours, and um, and go to another club and make another two <laughs> five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And they'll do two or three clubs during the weekend. So. And they want to offer today, I'm talking about today, uh, a 12-piece uh, salsa band, you know, $1,500, you know. Mm. And, uh, so, you know, it's an economic situation for them. Um, they don't uh, they don't um, have the same uh, passion for a live band and, uh, that they do for a, a DJ. And, you know, their business is to sell alcohol and to sell you know, admission tickets and food, whatever else they sell at the venue. But once again, you know, it's uh, this is a business. This is a salsa music industry, and um, there are clubs all over the world that do pay for the artists, and they pay them well, and they pay them, uh, they pay their expenses, and they pay, you know, everything that's necessary, the production, the technical needs to 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 have a great performance by the artists and. Uh, um, it's uh, once again to to be able to bring some uh, some great music uh, to 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 the public and the, to the consumers of this genre of music. And we have 500 million Spanish-speaking people on the planet, uh, or more, and you know a large percentage of them, you know, gravitate to either pop music and Spanish or salsa music, you know, to uh, uh, Mexican, you know, music or um, music that it has, you know, we have so many different genres within the Latin music industry that, uh, you know, once again, you know, Eric said, mm-hmm. said it, uh, you know, the first time, you know, it's very, it's a combination of a lot of things in Latin music, but everything is kind of uh, divided and uh, it's tasty. Uh, the most tasty to me is salsa music and Latin jazz, so it takes musicianship, and singers have to be great singers, and they have to be great poets in order for you to feel them. And uh, that's what we get from a Mark Anthony today. That's what we get from a Hiberto Santa Rosa. And that's what we used to get from Ismael Rivera, who we just heard on, on this last composition. Okay. <clears throat> well, let's go back and hear some more. <laughs> Oh, 
Yo tranquilo mi cruz Porque si yo tengo vida También tú y huepembú
como cuando tú eras pobre.
desmayaste. If you didn't know how to dance, you definitely was going to learn how to dance for that music, the upbeat. That's a- Uh-oh, we lost him. He fell off there? Yeah, he fell off. He had to call back in. All right, then. All right. Oh, man, boy, that was some fire. Boy, I'll let you hear that drumming at the end. It was going in yeah. on the drums. Huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, uh, man, it's, it's it's very spiritual, you know, and it's funny that uh, it's showcasing the, the album Time Machine because we've been, I've been talking to a lot of people about this, this time warp, man. I don't know, babe. I don't know how you feeling, but, man, something have 
it's been a major shift. <laughs> it's yeah. a shift going on, you know, inside of our physical self, but, you know, in these realms out here, you know, a lot of people living on a lot of different, a lot of people having different uh, experiences here, you yeah. know, simultaneously at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's a trip. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know, for, absolutely, absolutely. That's right, Bev. And, you know, uh, 40 years ago, and then another 40 years prior to that, last 40 years was the uh is when they hit this uh, they did this uh philadelphia experiment you know where they did these time warp experiments and uh and then we had we had another 40 years there and it's right. funny that philadelphia was in the yeah philadelphia was in showcase over there and then near the grand canyon you know so it's a it's a lot it is a major 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 beam a grid and connection going on right now. And it's funny that we uh broadcasting live from the Bermuda Triangle, man. You want to talk mm. about a lit grid? You want to talk about a grid that's lit, the Bermuda Triangle. And so, you know, uh, I, I, just, I just take it all in consideration that we are on a magic carpet ride and many different people having different uh, experiences, you know. And so those of us who, who can't get out in nature – and um, you know, entrapped in these cities, it's a whole different frequency and vibration and experience that that we have, and you know, and uh, <laughs> even when yeah. I lived in the city, I would find my spots. You know, there's a lot of food, a lot of fruit trees, a lot of, you know, over there in in Los Angeles. If you just go on the outskirts in the mountains and go to the ocean, it's a whole different vibe in Los Angeles. You know, you don't have to be trapped in the streets. Los Angeles right. is full of jungle, full of jungle and uh, mountains and ocean water. So it's a lot of it's a lot of options out here. You don't have to be trapped in a city. Ed, are you back with us? Yes, I am. Um, I, you know what an incredible arrangement to that last composition. Um, you know we've it went through through so much. You know uh, uh, to, to tell you a little bit about uh, Rafael Cortijo. Uh, Rafael Cortijo was born in. In 1928, in Santurce, Puerto Rico. Um, Santurce is uh, a part of uh, the San Juan area, um, and um, you know he died um, in 1982, I believe, um, of pancreatic cancer. Um, yeah, just you know, looking at all the record labels that he um, he recorded for. And, um, um, you could tell that, you know, um, at the time, these record labels weren't really that organized to, to be able to pay royalties and things like that. Um, the story is when he died, uh, he died at home in a public housing uh, complex um, near San Juan called Yoren Torres. Yoren uh, Torres is notorious, you know, for being, you know, um, a dangerous place, you know. Um, and it's not dangerous if you live there, but if people that don't live there, um, right. you know, don't go there. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty much controlled. You know, all these places they have, uh, you know, the people from the neighborhood that, that look out for them, I guess. And, you know, while the police don't even, um, you know, patrol these areas. Uh, they let them, you know, just things happen, you know. Um and he might be that, uh, you know, he also died in the 80s. Uh, it's funny because uh, Cortijo died at the age of 54. 
and Ismael Rivera died at the age of 56. Uh, uh, once again, he also died, you know, in uh, the arms of his mother in, in Santuce. Uh, you know, the stories you hear about Ismael Rivera, all that. A great singer, you know, incredible talent. You know, what people don't understand is these singers used to get a melody and they used to get verses of the song. And everything else in between was an inspiration. They made that up on the go, you know, and they recorded that and that became the song, you know, but, uh, you know, they never got publishing rights, you know, as a songwriter for their contribution of the music that we're hearing tonight. Um, and one of the stories about in my heavy red, I mean, he rest in peace was that, um, you know, he couldn't perform after his, uh, his beloved Cortijo died, his, his compadre, you know, um, father, the godfather of the children. Uh, when Cortijo passed, um, Ismael Rivera um, didn't want to sing anymore. Um, one of the stories uh, that, that, that you'll hear is that um, when they did a tribute at uh, Roberto Clemente um, Auditorium in Puerto Rico to Rafael Cortijo, uh, he, he didn't participate, you know, he was just, he was just devastated when his, uh, when Cortijo passed away. So, uh, there's another interesting story about Imad Rivera and Panama. Um, you know, in Latin American countries, um, there is a, 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 a following of, of a, of a figure, uh, Christ, but it's not the Christ that you see in in Catholic churches, mostly, it's, you'll see them in Catholic churches, as a matter of fact, but in some Latin American countries, and they call them the Black Christ. And mm. um, uh, in Rivera was a devotee of, of the Black Christ, and he used to make a pilgrimage every year to, to Panama. And um, he wrote a song about the, uh, the Black Christ. I, I don't have it on the set list tonight, but... Um, you know, he did that all, you know, for years. And so he was very well uh, received and regarded in Panama, where you do have black people and white people all together. But once again, you know, uh, uh, when it comes down to the business of music, you know, um, uh, some of our great artists and musicians and black artists and musicians in Latin music were not compensated fairly. And um, as a result, penniless, and their families, all the contributions that they made, you know, to, to the culture of Puerto Rico and, and the music industry in, 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 in general, um, were not uh, recognized uh, as they should be. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm happy that we're doing this tonight uh, to honor uh, two great black Puerto Ricans. Um, there's a history of black Puerto Ricans and how they got here. Um, they, the, the first black um, Spanish, Span, the Spaniards got here with the with blacks that were free slaves. They were free slaves. Um, in particular, one came from uh, uh, from West Africa, and he fought with Ponce de Leon against the Indians, you know, Taino Indians and the Caribbean Indians of the Caribbean. And so, you know, from from history, that was our first black, the black person that stepped foot in, in Puerto Rico. Um, today, you know, we have, you know, in the coastal towns, there's still black communities. Uh, they, you know, if you were in 
anywhere and you saw, you know, <laughs> you were everybody was black and you hear somebody speaking Spanish, you say, wait, hold on a minute. You know, <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, there was Spanish speaking black people. Um, and, uh, you know, we, right now I think the, 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 the uh, population of Afro Puerto Ricans, I think is, you know, it has to be over over a million, um, a million people of Afro Puerto Rican heritage. So, you know, we're doing something tonight to honor uh, some some Black Puerto Ricans. And why do we say Black Puerto Ricans? Because they identify themselves as Black because of their African roots. They 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 honor their African roots. They they're proud of their African roots. Versus um, a lot of people that I that I've met in the U.S. that are black, and you're saying, you know, hey, look, where where do you come from? You know, they'll say, hey, I come from Mississippi. They say, no, but, I, you know, where do you, your ancestors come from? I know that they came from Georgia, you know, and they won't say, they will not mention the word Africa. Versus, and you can hear it in the music, too. You can hear that African beat in their music. Like his music Mm-hmm. Right, versus Puerto Ricans and Cubans and a lot of Peruvians and Colombians, they honor their ancestry, African ancestry, and uh, and the music uh, speaks for itself because uh, you know the beat of the drum and uh, just the spirit of the music uh, is lively and uh, um, danceable. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying the music. How are you enjoying the music, Beverly? Well, you know, I'm. I, I'm 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 hooked now. I'm got used to it now. I'm getting familiar with it now. So I like it. I like it because it's upbeat, and I really love. You know, I'm a jazz person, so I really love the jazz uh, beat when when we had the jazz artists on. But uh, I'm loving all of it. Good. The, the, you know, one of the compositions we heard tonight was called Guayama. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Guayama, is, I'm in a town that's um, called Arroyo, and the next town over is is Guayama. And next week, um, we're going to feature uh, a songwriter that uh, a lot of people, you know, don't know. And this is the man behind the pen that wrote a lot of hits songs for a lot of big artists in salsa music. His name is Tite Cure Alonso. May he rest in peace. Uh, he was from Guayama, born in Guayama, and uh, Cortijo uh, wrote a song that was a song uh, about Guayama. We just heard it um, previously. So, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of great people that people, uh, that your audience is just hearing about for the first time. And yeah. It's an honor for me to bring them to 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 you and for your listeners, and uh, I'm very grateful that uh, that we have this time together, Beverly. Well, thank you, and uh, thank you, and thank Eric again. And so um, I look forward to coming on next week. And again, before we leave, tell the people uh, where they can contact you, especially if if they got some talented people out there. Uh, you know, this is their opportunity to make well, it. Uh, well, the best way is to, to reach me via LinkedIn. Um, I'm not sure I type in my name, Eddie, E-D-D-I-E, 
Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, Latin Works Music, and you can send me a message and uh, I'll get back to you. And so it's a pleasure to be with you again, Beverly. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, Eric, uh, thank you for for calling in and, and adding uh, to this program. And we hope people get in touch with us and tell us what they think and send us comments and so we can continue to bring these um, public service programs uh, uh, to entertain and to educate and uh, on Block Talk Radio on the show, Truth to Power with Beverly D. And I thank you, Beverly D., and better love. Better love. Thank you, Eddie Rodriguez, and thank you, Eric, and thank you, listeners, for listening.
quítate de la vía perico que ahí viene el seren y quítate de la vía perico
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.